Hi, I'm Michaela Lieberman. And I'm Jeff Bellin. Welcome to Office Hours. So this week on the program, we've got Rebecca Green, who's a professor here at William & Mary Law School and also the co-director of the Election Law Program. That's right. She's also the assistant director of the Center for Legal and Court Technology. Uh, And she is an expert in election law, in privacy law, uh, and also in Chinese legal history. Right. So we focused on just one of those things. You could probably guess. Yeah, it wasn't the Chinese legal history. We focused on... Uh, election law. Yeah, Bellin and I felt we were um, already sufficiently schooled in Chinese yeah. legal history, yeah. so we thought, you know, why bother? Right. Everybody knows. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. Right. So we focused on election law, and particularly we were interested in uh, the the kind of law about gerrymandering and all the these fights that are going on about electoral maps in various places in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and places we didn't even know there were problems. She knew about all of them. She knew about all of them. There were places, uh, including Virginia, that is uh, apparently we have issues with the election maps. And and so we talked a lot about that. It was really interesting about what the rules are, what the legislators can get away with, some new theories that are reining them in. Uh, And, uh, you know, I felt like I learned a lot. Oh, I learned so much. I think you'll see that she does a great job of taking what can at times be a very technical and in some ways mathematical problem and breaking it down into really clear explanations. Yeah, I didn't even realize how interesting it was. I felt like it was an important topic. I didn't realize how interesting the kind of problem that we're trying to solve when we create these legislative districts is really interesting. And hey, newsflash, uh, we're all implicated. Yeah, this matters. Yeah, this matters. And elections matter and your vote counts. And and I think she, you're going to come away feeling all the more connected to our electoral process. Yeah, really interesting. And, and we learned about um, voter ID laws a little and also... Are you uh, going to give it away, pa- all away? Paper. Okay. Some <laughs> other really interesting things. You know what? We're just going to rehash the whole interview right now. We're going <laughs> to give you all the bullet points. All right. Stay tuned for the good stuff from <laughs> Professor Rebecca Green. Professor Rebecca Green, welcome to Office Hours. Thanks. We're so happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Actually, Professor Green was just telling Professor Bellin and me just a second ago that um, she's done a number of radio interviews, but uh, Professor Green remarked that we our setup is a little more intense than right. some of the radio shows a she's been on. A little intimidating. Well, those were over the phone, so don't take too much credit. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. She's yeah. keeping she's, us humble. She's walking it back. <laughs> now, now she's walking it air. back. She's walking yeah, it back. A moment now ago, remote. she was yeah. nervous yeah. because Shaking of our imposing boots. presence. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. Well, we are very happy to have you here, and we're here to talk about a really interesting subject matter, election law, and specific gerrymandering mm-hmm. yeah Great. and you're the person to go to about these questions you know everything well, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far but I'll try to help okay good well before we get into that we want to ask you a little bit about you okay so tell us about Rebecca Green well um, I'm a native Vermonter you are I went to college yes. in Vermont did you I went to Middlebury College you did amazing did. yeah so I'm from Norwich Vermont which is about an hour south of Middlebury I so. knew I liked yes. yeah every town yeah. in Vermont has about the same name okay which, which well and what's interesting about Norwich is that apparently we've um, we've raised 11 Olympic athletes don't you think that's amazing that's, that's a amazing. huge concentration yeah I'd have to I'm know what sports you're talking about if we're talking like skiing. curling skiing. Uh, skiing yeah so that's yeah. that's yeah. Not so, so anyway it's a point of pride 
Oh, it's not so impressive, Professor Bell. Not to me. Skiing me. isn't impressive. Wow. Have you ever seen a ski jump? Skirling, uh, curling, Isaac. Wow. Skirling. <laughs> it was skirling. That would be one. Now thing. we'd be talking. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So you're yeah. from Norwich. I am from Norwich. This Vermont. town of terrific Olympic athletes. Yes. Is that exactly. near Brattleboro? No, it's an hour north of Brattleboro. Just wanted yeah, to show off. Of the state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's looked at a map before. Yeah. He knows Vermont. I've been to Brattleboro. Yeah. Pretty. Anyway, yeah, so I um, I moved down to Williamsburg in 2009, I want to say, and um, I didn't start out uh, in election law. I started out teaching privacy, and then when Dean Douglas, um, who was then a constitutional law professor, went on sabbatical, he asked me to babysit the election law program, and oh, that cool. was in 2009, and so I've been doing election law ever since. Wow. Yeah. But before you even get to Williamsburg, yeah. you go to college in New England. Yes, I went to Connecticut College. Connecticut College, mm-hmm. a fellow small mm-hmm. liberal arts college that graduate. Is that is correct. And then you go on to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Okay. You go to law school at Harvard, but before yeah. that, you get a master's in Chinese yeah. history? Ch- Chinese history, I did. I got a master's in Chinese legal history, as it happens, um, working with a really amazing professor named Bill Alford, who does Asian legal studies at Harvard Law, and um, he that's sort of where I got really interested in the idea of going to law school. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so you're at Harvard Law School. Yes. And I have heard this story Uh-oh. from Professor... Fred Letterer. Yeah. You might know him. Yeah. As you, since I know you're him the well. assistant director of CLCT. Yes, I know him well. Okay. And he tells this story mm-hmm. that on your, f- well, maybe you know this story. Yeah. You probably I, do. I probably do. Yeah, tell Chances the story. Are. Um, are we talking about your the, first day? Yeah. This was, this was, um, I went, it was in my second year actually, and I went to, uh, well, I was signed up for administrative law. And, um, the, the class was with a new professor, and there was a lot of buzz about this new professor because she had just come from being a judge in D.C. And so um, there were probably 250 people in the room just because you could. there was a week of shopping, so anyone could go to any class to decide what they wanted to take. But I had signed up for this class, and so sure enough, got called on. Um, and I hear this, Miss Green from the podium. And uh, I said, you know, I haven't, I haven't bought the book. Um, I haven't done the reading because I'm not sure if I'm taking this class or not. And she said, do you have a book? And I said, um, no. And she said, well, does your neighbor have a book? And I said, yes. And she said, well, I'd like you to open your neighbor's book to page 473 and read aloud until you come to the answer. Okay? Wow. Oh, God. So I'm I op- having anxiety I right know. Now. So I open the book. It is the U.S. Constitution in the appendix. Huh. And I start reading the Constitution until my hair started hurting, at which point somebody behind me said, that's it. And I sat and I looked at it and I figured out what she was talking about and I answered the question. Anyway, it was Ale- it was Elena Kagan, wow. which is what was so unbelievable about it. Wow. Yeah, and I actually saw her at a reunion, uh, my ten year reunion, and I and I recounted the story to her and she was horrified. She I was, was. going to say, she was yeah, what, what's the pedagogical yeah. value of having you read the Constitution? You know what it is. I totally admire it. It, okay. it is because every single person in that class the second day was prepared. Yep. You know, and it's so much more fun to be in a class where everyone's prepared. So I completely get it, but it was really quite an experience. So you're saying it was a yeah. punishment? Um, no, I think it was a wake-up call that you better be prepared for class if I you're see. signed up for it, I which see. is a perfectly legitimate message. Interesting. So It was an unfortunate event that you had to be the sacrificial lamb. Yeah, right. and, and I also sort of feel like I'm way too nice in class as a consequence. Mm. So I need to get over that. I need to well, be I, think I think there's less of that. Like, that's an unusual story don't you think for like is your law school experience have stories oh, like that? Oh, they're not like that here. They're I don't not. Think. No, yeah. no. I yeah. think a couple of people. I had uh, Professor Stern my first day of torts, and um, 
he was sort of the most traditionally yeah. paper chasey yeah. of them all. Yeah. Um, you know, he comes in with his pinstriped suit and his Brooks Brief Brothers briefcase right. yeah. and yeah. Uh, says, Mr. Lang, what are the facts of... Yeah, but if Mr. Lang says, I don't have the book, then what happens? I don't know. It never ha- Thank God for right. Mr. Lang, honestly. Right. But right. with, yeah. me, with me, I just nod in admiration and say, you win and move on. <laughs> That's not at all how it goes in your class. I've taken a number of them. <laughs> but no, you're right. I, I, yeah. I would say that... It's a great story. It's a, it's, a, it's, a it's a great story, story. and we don't yeah. we're, we're spoiled here yeah we have good. all of the people who've been trained by that generation of, yeah um, well it's interesting that you're suggesting that your experience going through that made you not do yeah. that kind of thing yeah I, I think that's right although i do i do try to make sure to cold call enough that i'm that i'm confident people will actually prepare yeah. for class. that part i, but agree, just in I a agree with nice way. it's it's good to get people to be prepared yeah. the challenge is doing that in a way that doesn't create exactly. stories they're going to tell 20 that's years right. later that's right, right. But also, we're adults, and it's fine. And look at you. You're an incredible I lived, success. I survived <laughs> yeah. to tell good, the tale. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, you know. So there you go. Next time you feel bad about it, don't. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've established yeah. you are beyond qualifying to answer some of these hard hitters that yeah. are coming up. Because we have some don't Chinese law questions, don't we? Up. I actually prepared mostly Chinese right. law in, questions. In Mandarin. In Chinese. In Chinese. Yeah, they're going to be very Even difficult. Better. Mm-hmm. Even better. Great. All right, let's move to gerrymandering. Okay. Yeah, we, we've noticed in the news that this seems to be an issue yeah. in various states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, those people fighting up in arms. Yeah, North Carolina, Virginia. Nor- thank you. All Virginia, over the place, even. Texas. Virginia is where we are, even. Yes, as it look at that. As yeah. it happens. So Again, everywhere. great with geography. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. everywhere. Is there a Brattleboro in Virginia? No. Probably. probably. There probably is. Okay. Uh, the, and the, the question we had for you is kind of what, not, not necessarily specific to any of these controversies, but what are the boundaries? Like, what can you get away with as a legislature? Kind of what are, what are these uh, places doing that's getting them into trouble? Yeah. And, and kind of how can we be an observer of these fights and have some kind of sophistication? Oh my gosh, that's such an interesting question, and it's such a good way to phrase it. So, um, so there's a couple of really interesting things happening right now. Which um, the first is um, the the Supreme Court hasn't figured out how to police bad behavior when it comes to legislators drawing lines, um, because they can't, they know that the legislatures are allowed to draw the lines because the Constitution delegates to state legislatures that job. So it's clearly their role to, to draw the line, at least. So the line of, of like who gets to vote for which, which candidate, exactly. Who's, Districts, in, who's right? in which district, okay. exactly. Um, and so the, over the course of our history, politicians, line drawers, legislators have abused that power repeatedly because it's hard not to, right? You, you know, if, if you could draw a district one way so that you wouldn't have a lot of competition, um, or you draw your best competition out of the district, right? Mm. Y- it's sort of human nature to want to protect yourself. Because you're, so, you're drawing lines for the district that you'll be elected from. Yeah, that's right. And, mm. and your friends and, you know, members of your party and right. so forth. Um, and so, so the temptation is there to draw lines that protect you and your fellow partisans. Yeah. So uh, as a consequence of that, um, legislators have abused the process uh, but it's very hard to figure out how much is too much mm. and, and, and where, that's, and so where so the you line get, is. You get these kind of images of 
you know, I think we think of the proper boundary should be like a square or yeah. something. And we get these images that gerrymander is supposed to be like a, yeah. I guess, salamander that was yeah. like a district that was a line with arms and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it, the whole phrase comes from Eldridge Jerry, Elbridge Jerry, um, who was, you know, he, he's one of the signers of the of the Declaration of Independence. And um, he drew himself a district that looked like a salamander, mm. you know, back in the day. And, and that's what, so there was this political cartoon and everyone talked about how it looked like a salamander and that became the gerrymander. And mm. that's how we get the term. So um, what's interesting is that the court hasn't been able to identify how much is too much, essentially. Um, and so it used to be that there was a big push to have uh, these cases um, taken away from courts because if courts can't figure it out, then they shouldn't have any jurisdiction over the question at all. And so a lot of justices wanted to just take it off of the court's plate and just say, forget it. We're never going to be able to figure this out. This is the province of politicians, not courts. So whatever they can get away with would, would, would be fine. Right, exactly. And if they do something really bad, then the check isn't the court. The check is people who will vote them out of office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's very hard to vote <laughs> someone out of office if you've been gerrymandered because you, you know they've, they've rigged the system essentially to use a popular word today. Um, and so that check is a little bit problematic. But in any event, um, there are cases before the Supreme Court today Mm -hmm. um, that actually look like they may be the kind of cases that the court might might uh, take a a stand on this and actually might do something to say how much is too much because of the way that they've bubbled up which I can talk about yeah but that's sort of so so the the answer to your question is um, it used to be that we didn't really know how to police this so there might have been no rule at all there hasn't been any rule and so as a consequence um, politicians have thought I can do whatever I want to do but it looks like at least possibly um, you know there may be an opinion that comes out in June that sets people on a different course. So let's talk a little bit about the strategies that legislators use to protect their own. Yeah. So there are a couple of different ways to draw these lines. Yes. Um, One being partisan symmetry is that right? Yeah. Wow. You're going right into the technical. Who? I just want to get a little bit of the yeah. technical so that we yeah. can understand what's what, what the court is actually deciding on. Yeah. And then you know how it's going to change. Yeah. Our so elections. so when you're a legislator and you're drawing lines, you have a number of different tools at your disposal in terms of trying to um, protect yourself. Okay. So one is um, you take. Uh, it's called packing. You take okay. all of the people who you who vote a certain way and you put them all in one district or a few districts. Mm-hmm. And that way you've removed the competition, essentially. So you people that might vote against you or your friends, you put them, you, you, you're, you're them. stuck with them, but yeah. you put them all in one district so they get yeah. one representative yeah. only. Yeah, or two or three I or see. however or much. M- but, but, you, but you have the vast majority because you've taken all the problem people and put them in I one see. district, and that's called packing. Interesting. Okay. Um, another way you can do it is something called cracking, Ooh. which is where, yeah, it's packing and cracking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where um, you essentially take what would be a powerful geographic area and you split it up so that you've d- diluted essentially mm-hmm. the, you've the voting power. It. You've essentially cracked it. Interesting. That's right. And so people so, are spread out. So there's a big group of a certain Democratic voter yeah. in an area. They spread yeah. them all out among lots yes. and lots of Republicans, Correct. and then you only Republicans their power. win. Correct. So, um, so those are two of the sort of most common forms of gerrymandering. But there's other tricky things that you can do. Like, for example, and you see this a lot, and we've seen this in Virginia, you identify the um, place where you're, the 
a specific legislator lives, like where they actually live, oh. and then you carve their neighborhood out of the district no, that they're in don't. so that they can't run in that district again. You do you, have to you run. do do that. Wow. You do do that. That's it's so un- sneaky. It's horrible. And in fact, there's numerous examples in Virginia and elsewhere of, you know, you know, literally one side of the street will be one and the other side of the street will be another. And it's just to get a certain person out. So it seems like people are winning these cases in the sense that in the news you hear about some map is blocked or they like some racial gerrymandering. How are people winning these if there's no rules? So, um, okay, so the when people are winning most recently and and in fact, I think um, because there's never there's only been one winning well now there's actually two winning um, uh, lower court opinions in finding partisan gerrymandering but where they're oh, winning okay. is they're finding a violation of the Voting Rights Act mm. which um, protects minority voting power um, or they're getting a racial gerrymandering win which is a uh, an equal protection uh, okay. claim from and the so these, US these are kind of separate rules that aren't specific to gerrymandering, they're, but that you can't use race in these. Things. Right, they're they're gerrymandering, but they're racial gerrymandering cases, which is distinct from partisan. And so, how does that work? Cases. So, what can't you do? In, you you can't do these cracking yeah. for race, but you could do it for party or something. Um, well, it's yeah. So it gets very um, very interesting very fast. So, um, the traditional. Uh, racial gerrymandering case um, is actually a 15th Amendment claim, mm-hmm. which is a, a, from a case called Gomillion, where in Tuskegee, Alabama, the, um, the powers that be drew a 28-sided district in which they gerrymandered every single black person out of t- Tuskegee into a different district so wow. that only whites could vote. And so when the Supreme Court looked at that, they said there is no other reason but for race that this district has been drawn, and that violates the 15th Amendment. Interesting. So that was the the kind of quintessential racial gerrymandering example. Um, And then in the 1990s, um, some interesting things started happening because the Voting Rights Act protects minorities' ability to elect the candidate of their choice. Mm -hmm. And so that means that when legislators draw lines, they, they can't pack or crack minorities. They have to ensure that minority voters have the ability to elect the candidate of their choice. And so, um, so legislators, um, in complying with the Voting Rights Act, um, ended up getting a little bit compliance happy in the sense that they started drawing districts that were very much like Gomillion in that they were strange looking and they, they were picking up minorities here and there along their way. This is this is this one district in particular in North Carolina, the 12th district, that looked um, what uh, Justice O'Connor described like political pornography because it just was the most bizarre looking district. And there was no way to explain that district other than race. Interesting. And so in that case, it's different than Gomillion because it wasn't, you know, um, a racist, you know, hate-filled. Right. They weren't trying to it, stop people from voting. Correct. Right. They were actually trying to create a district for minority voters. However, it was so um, it, it was so non-compact and it was so ridiculous looking that they essentially said it offended the idea of a colorblind election okay. and violated the the equal protection clause. Yeah, interesting. Um, and so that is that sort of a second kind of. Um, racial gerrymandering claim. And so then um, those cases came to an end in the early 2000s because what um, what plaintiffs, or sorry, what defendants were able to show um, 
ultimately in those cases was that what was driving those funny looking districts wasn't actually race. It was, it was politics. It was party. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because in, in states like no- in North Carolina and many other states, the partisan affiliation started to really jive with the racial affiliation. And so, well, it's not an affiliation, but in any event, um, as those two aligned, you could make the argument that what was really predominating was partisanship. And they're allowed to use their party to and move because, people. Yes, and I because see. there's no uh, outer bound, there's no limit, there's no way for a court to police partisan gerrymandering. As long as you're doing partisan gerrymandering, uh-huh. you're A-OK. Suppose that your racial and your party lines match up, yeah. right? And so you end up coming out with the same result, Yeah. In whether it's motivated by yeah. race or by party. Yeah. What how is a court is this part of the problem that a court well, doesn't this, know how to suss out intent it's really that's a hundred percent exactly correct okay um and so and so for a while um in the early 2000s if you said this isn't a racial gerrymander this is a partisan gerrymander that got you off the hook but then what's interesting is that lately th- in this decade of redistricting so since 2011 um plaintiffs have had success arguing racial gerrymanders um, in in cases where the legislature has um, used partisanship um, so blatantly as a to draw almost. as a pretext, exactly. Um, and so, for example, um, uh, this, again, is going to get a little bit into the weeds, but um, uh, before 2013, uh, one of the when a court case came down that changed uh, the way this is looked at, um, it used to be that if you had a certain percentage of minorities in a in a majority minority district, um, you couldn't lower that percentage um, without violating another part of the Voting Rights Act. So, um, so if you had a if you had a district that had 55 percent minority. Um, and you were redrawing your lines because the census had just com- come out, um, you would want to keep that mm. district, it was believed, at 55% in order to not make things worse, off, make minorities worse off in that district. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so what happened was there, there have been a series of cases in Virginia um, and in Alabama where the legislature set that percentage artificially high because the minority population had actually decreased mm. and yet they were holding this really sort of high bar for where minority that minority percentage needed to be and the Supreme Court saw through that and said essentially what you're doing is packing minorities into this district and um, that that violates the and they were doing it because they were trying to comply with the Voting Rights Act they were doing it because they were trying to comply with the Voting Rights Act is a generous way of looking at oh, it. oh I, I see, see. Uh, but, uh, but uh, so so when we see news stories about like some map is being stopped in North Carolina mm-hmm. or stopped in Virginia is that is it usually what's going on is that a court is finding a racial component to the map that's the problem or every time that's what's going on. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, because, because, um, well, so we have in Virginia, right, Bobby Scott's district was one of those artificially high percentages. Bobby Scott said, you know what, I'm so popular that I only need, you know, I can't remember what he said, but maybe 30% uh, 30 minorities in my district in order to win, um, in order for the minorities in my district to get the candidate of their choice, which is what the Voting Rights Act requires. Mm -hmm. Um, But the legislature gave him, you know, well over 50% thinking they were complying with the Voting Rights Act, when in fact, what's come out since is that the Voting Rights Act um, isn't mechanical like that. You can't just look at a percentage and think you're doing your job. In other words, you have to figure out what right. what percentage, based on voting history, do minorities need 
to get the candidate the and right especially choice. as you say the census is changing so everything else is changing there'd be no reason yes. to think that this one percentage would, would be, be static exactly yes that's what the courts have and so so you're saying with. all these cases where we hear about this has been enjoined or stopped it's because the courts are finding it's the courts are not saying this is too political you've made too crazy a district it's because there's okay. a racial component okay all no only the <laughs> so the only successful examples at least in the southeast and in texas of of successful plaintiff claims here are um, racial gerrymandering cases, but there's this new wave of successful partisan gerrymandering cases. Oh, that, but that's only as of the last year. I mean, I th see. that's like a really new phenomenon. And, and what is the, so how are they, yeah, how are the courts framing those. that? Like what is too yeah. much then? Yeah, so here's, so here's what's going on in the partisan gerrymandering world. It all started in Wisconsin. And Wisconsin had this unbelievable round of redistricting where the, they had the, the coveted trifecta, which was you know, both houses of the legislature and the governorship. So they had, the Republicans had power um, to draw the lines in to, you know, total power. And so they engaged in a process that was not great looking from the outside in the sense that they um, did it not only behind closed doors, but they apparently did it in a, a suite in a hotel Oh, come with, on. A, with a locked door. A I mean, I don't think right. so. And right. they um, and they made the anybody who went into that room or had kind of interactions with the process, they made them sign a confidentiality agreement, Ooh. saying that they would not share any uh, you oh. know, information. Um, mm. They did not include Democrats in the in the process at all. They completely shut them out. And they introduced and passed the maps in very a very narrow time frame. So there was no not really at all adequate time for public comment or even for you know the Democrats to weigh in. So so the process looked very bad. And not only that, but the maps that they passed um, were, uh, you know, with precision, right, um, mm. uh, gerrymandering the state to, um, to maximize Republican power. So um, that's not new. That happens all the time. But, what, but the difference here um, is that there were two very awesome law professors. I guess one was a law professor and one was a political scientist um, who came up with this idea of something called the efficiency gap which the idea here is to use math to um, figure out if there is a, sort of a, a threshold that you can mathematically cross that will make something go from, you know, fine to problematic, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, and so what the efficiency cap gap measure does is it um, measures the number of wasted votes. And let me explain what a wasted vote is. Please do. So if I am, uh, if I am trying to win in a district for my party. Um, I want to win by as few votes as possible. In other words, I want 51 percentage points of a win because that means that's super efficient, right? Because I've won by 51% and all those other voters who might have voted for me are in other districts voting for other Republicans, right? right? Um, and so um, that's what I want to do. If the district is a district of my opponents, right? I want I want them to um, waste as many votes as possible, so right? So win by like ninety nine percent would be perfect, uh -huh. right? Get them all in there, Pack you know, right? Because those are wasted votes. Right. Those people might not even, you know, they don't they shouldn't even bother voting because right. their basically vote doesn't even count. Right. So um, what the what these professors did was they figured out um, based on that idea of wasted votes, they figured out how to come up with a ratio that produced a single number. Um, and that number was the efficiency gap score. Mm. 
So what's important to understand about the efficiency gap score is that they did identify a range where there was a problem, where it looked like they, there had been sort of a, a mechanical you know, um, application of, of this idea of wasting as many votes as possible of your opponent and saving as, ma as many of yours. Um, they figured out this range, um, but it's, it's a common misperception. People think that the efficiency gap score is the end of the story. In other okay. words, if you, if you fall in this range, then, then the court will overturn what you've done. But in fact, um, that's only one part of the plaintiff's claim, that the efficiency gap score is good evidence that, um, that there was a, a, an, an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander. But in fact, um, it takes into account a lot, of, a lot of other things. Like, for example, was the process closed to the other party? Oh, Did I the see. public have you know, input and, and kind of process questions about whether or not it was a fair process? And so this sure. Wisconsin process was challenged and the challengers won? They, the, the challengers won based on the efficiency gap theory and also based on um, the, the process itself okay. being so egregious. And, and is the theory, the legal theory underlying it, something like one person, one vote? Or what's the kind of legal? Nope, it's just straight out equal protection. Oh, I see. So you're treating people differently by putting the 99 percent are based being treated worse than the 51 that's right based on their political affiliations interesting so um that was a groundbreaking case because no plaintiff have, had ever won uh well there's there's one minor case involving a judicial election but no plaintiff had ever won um just purely on political just purely on, as a, on a political gerrymandering grounds and so that case um was appealed to the supreme court and, and it was heard last fall mm -hmm. um and we thought maybe a decision would be out sooner rather than later because a lot of um, you know a lot of maps depend on this outcome and a, a lot of elections are going to depend on this outcome. But then um, the court took another case uh, out of Maryland, um, and what's so interesting about that is in Maryland it was the Democrats who had you know egregiously gerrymandered, and the challenge in that case. Um, not to oversimplify, but one of the most interesting things about that challenge is that that challenge was based on the First Amendment, oh, on an argument that um, people were being essentially persecuted for their partisan views, hmm. um, and that is a that is a um, theory that Justice Kennedy had encouraged in an earlier partisan gerrymandering case where he was sort of hoping that down the road a set of facts or a set of theories would come to the court that would make it easier for the justices to decide. Um, and so that argument was sort of tailor-made for Justice Kennedy. And what's so interesting about the fact that they took that case is that um, during the Whitford argument, the Wisconsin argument, Chief Justice Roberts expressed a lot of concern about the, the court seeming partisan, right? Mm -hmm. So if the court comes down hard on these Republicans in Wisconsin, yeah. it looks like they're, tr they're taking a side in a right. political battle. Right. Um, but then they took the, the Maryland case, right. and that's a case where Democrats are misbehaving. Right. And so it gives them an opportunity to appear neutral if they you know, do decide to do something about this. So I think it gave a lot of people watching this um, a glimmer of hope that something might happen here because um, they had these sort of two these yeah. two particular cases in front of them. Wow. So when do and we anticipate? Right. Yeah. When do we anticipate the outcome? I think probably in June. They're okay. hearing. So they're hearing the arguments for the Maryland case this month. And and it seems like something that you'd want to do something about. I think like the average listener is going to say these crazy political districts should be stopped. Like there's all these movements like in yeah. California when I was there to have like a independent 
already yeah. uh, draw the districts. I think yeah. everyone would rather that. Yeah. And so you could see the desire for the court to step in. I think there is no question. Popular will is starting to rise up on this issue. I went to um, lecture up in at the League of Women Voters in Fairfax, Virginia a couple weekends ago. And, you know, when the topic of the discussion is redistricting, you know, you would think maybe there'll be 20, you know, people sitting there knitting on a Sunday afternoon, right? Like it's not going to be whatever. But there were 400 people in the room. Oh, wow. So and that's been my experience um, over the last year or so that people have really woken up to this issue and they're realizing that it really impacts the ability of the people to weigh in on other issues. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so it's just become... People, people have become sort of pissed about it. And, and the question is, should the courts take care of this problem right. or should, you know, their legislature. should legislatures or the people um, through, you know, ballot initiatives and, uh, and elsewise try to clean up right. the situation? And so some of those solutions include an independent yes. redistricting yes. council or of some sort, some yes. body that's yes. independent. Yes. So most reformers um, have... Uh, settled on independent commissions as being the best approach, but there are other options. So um, one of the most interesting ones, I think, is what Florida did, which is Florida um, had a constitutional amendment through a ballot initiative that um, basically says um, you can't take partisanship into account when you draw your lines. It's a command to the legislature. So just don't do it. Don't consider partisanship. Um, and has it worked? Is that well, so um, it's been litigated um, after the last round. And um, there's this fascinating opinion by this judge in Florida called um, Terry Lewis, um, where he uh, tries to pick apart the process and figure out whether partisanship actually took place. Um, and so to do that, he really had to sort of look at the emails, look at the characters involved. Oh, wow. And in that instance, he he was able to identify through some pretty clever lawyering that, for example, um, partisan groups had been using straw men at public meetings to introduce maps and make comments. Um, right. And so, huh. so to sort of show that there had been this sort of end run, tricky business. Um, so I think that example shows that it's very hard to okay. take the politics But But then ultimately, politics. because you gave the court a lever to... Stamp it down. That's I guess it was a victory for nonpartisanship in the end. That's the idea. But maybe they'll just get better at hiding the That's straw the man. That's the question, right? <laughs> right? Because if you, if you, the more sort of rules you put onto this, um, the better, sort of the the more tricky yeah. Um, yeah. legislatures could possibly get. So it's it's hard, as as I say, to make to take politics out of politics. Well, we have some other questions, too. Sure. There's okay. been some recent activity in Virginia elections. Yeah. And has less to do with gerrymandering yeah. and more to do with, are you kidding me that <laughs> we decide elections vis-a-vis yeah. -vis a coin flip? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was intense. Um, so, right. So we had this virtual tie um, where... Uh, there was a recount, and uh, it seemed that one person won um, by one vote, and then and then the um, th then the Republican candidate found another vote f for himself, and they called it a tie. And the rules in Virginia, the the statute governing this, provided that um, you had to have a, a game of chance, essentially. And so, yeah, so up in Richmond on a snow day, they pulled a film canister out of a bowl 
from the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts to select a candidate. No, so it wasn't a coin flip. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't a coin flip. flip. Now I feel much better. It about wasn't, it. yes. But They've what was interesting to me, so I, I was not aware prior to that happening that many, many states have games of chance to decide ties. Well, I guess you have to have some mechanism. You got to do something, first uh-huh. of all. And second of all, it turns out ties aren't that rare. Well, they're, they're rare for, for like bigger smaller, races, uh-huh, but for, for smaller, smaller races uh-huh. where there's low turnout, they're, they're not as rare. And so, um, so it happens a, f- a fair amount in this country. And the this is a w- this is the way that people have kind of come up with to, to resolve it. Yeah, I, I always thought that when when it came up, I thought, why not create some kind of skill, right? So like <laughs> yeah. at least like a thumb <laughs> yeah. wrestle or Seriously. something. Because at, at the very minimum, you yeah. could yeah. televise it. Yeah. yeah. Fine. And then you'd get a lot of people. Why? Like yeah. it's really exciting yeah. contest, and it's right. a shame to waste it on p- pulling a yeah. tag out. Yeah. Or like I don't that like that awesome. candidate, but he painted a better still life. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to give it to it. Right. That's <laughs> a great picture. It. I think a lot of people would be into that. The, the problem in this case, and what was so unbelievable about it, is that literally the balance of the House of Delegates oh, yes. rested on this. Right. right? Yeah. So it, it wasn't just like this funky weird thing. It was actually you know what determined who you know the House leadership was going to be. And I guess now the party gets to draw their own district, and they're like, right. see you never. They'll get, yeah. they'll get a couple yeah. of those see people never. in, yeah. and they'll, they'll exactly. have no more tie. Yeah. Exactly. See you never. Yeah. All right, so we, we have, um, can we play our game now? I love What game is this? You have to pick good or bad, and okay. I'll throw something at you, and you say whether it's good or bad. They okay. might be easy, they might be hard. Okay. All right, so the first word is democracy. Good. Electoral college. Mm. <laughs> okay, is not an option, unfortunately, I under know. the rules, but that's, that's okay. So and she got overconfident. She's like, democracy. I nailed democracy. I nailed gonna, democracy. This is so Hit easy. Yeah, I thought so this is going to be easy. But like the electoral yeah. college, it seems yeah. unclear the benefits of the electoral college. Yeah. So you're saying there is enough that it's not clear to you that it's bad. Um, you know, I think um, that's that's a hard question. Um. You know the whole the whole it, you know it's it struck a compromise and you know whether that compromise is still worth living by is one thing and I think there are instances where it has not served us well and there are instances where it has served us well so okay. I, I don't know that's a harder all one. right so you're not gonna go good or bad yeah, you go mm, sorry, on man. that one all right yeah. what about this one electronic voting uh, that's too general by what do you by what, uh-huh. what do you mean she nailed so yeah sorry versus yep. paper yeah. or some other okay, punch so, thing right. <laughs> right, so um, so I'm all for paper ballots. Really, really, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. and I think that's the consensus these uh-huh. days. Most states are returning to paper ballots. Because there's a record say, or something. Yeah, well, so when you say electronic voting, like um, where I vote. Oh no, actually, I think I use paper. Where I used to vote, exactly. you would go in and push a in Texas. Screen. So you would push exactly. on a screen, and yeah, that seemed to me efficient, and that's modern, and yeah. you can count that easy. People are souring on the touchscreen voting technology because um, there are problems, and um, they're not. There oftentimes haven't been verifiable paper trails and so forth. Okay. And so people are reverting to paper ballots because they're physical okay. manifestations. Of and what you're saying that you and the do. other experts think we should go back to paper. And most have. Virginia has, for example, gone, gone back to paper. So I think that's the direction things are heading in at you the moment. Did you ever watch this uh, Battlestar Galactica show? No. It's of great, course not. Have you seen it? No, Bill. Right, so I'm going to edit this out. No, we can't have our listeners me, thinking you watched this Let me tell show. you. Let me t- the modern, the new one is good. Hmm. It's very good. All right, There's so a the, new one? The new one, the new uh-huh. series. I'll just, uh-huh. let me finish my thought here, right. and you can decide whether it survives mm-hmm. or not. The, the, 
now that I think. All right. The robots come yeah. and attack Earth. Yeah, the robots bad. that Earth made. Bad. Yeah. All right. So, so far. Yeah, good. Nice, nice. Uh, and and only one ship survives, the Battlestar Galactica. Why? Because the captain refused to have, like, a network on yeah. his ship. And yeah. so the, what, the, what the Cylons <laughs> yeah, did is right. they, inter, they, like, got right. their virus into everybody. Yes. And so it is this kind of, in, it fits your theory so that, like, we something. don't want the new technology. The paper ballot is better. That's, like, well, let me tell you Battlestar Galactica all over again. Well, so as you all know, this last election, there were some problems with outside interference. Yes. And there was even some you know, uh, uh, credible uh, evidence that there was hacking or attempts to hack election systems, which were voter registration systems, not, you know, right. the ballots themselves. But um, but w a lot of people think that the reason why uh, the United States system is safer than it would otherwise be is because it's totally decentralized. So... Mm. In the United States, there right. are actually 10,000 elections. Right. There, there aren't, yeah. you know, and 50 elections and there isn't one election, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's so decentralized that it would be very hard f to, you know, hack the Battlestar, the battleship Thank or whatever Thank you for using hell. that. It's going to make it hard for you um, to cut the Battlestar Galactica yeah. when it keeps coming up. In. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So the point is. Each one is, is separate yeah, and then so you, you'd impulse. have to hack them all or something Correct. to make a Correct. difference. Correct. And it's not just separate in each of the 50 states. In, 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 in yeah. an individual state, it's totally right. decentralized. You'd have to go to our little district. Because yeah. that's when you wait to see the returns. They're saying, and now we're waiting for, they're waiting for each of these yeah. little places to that's count right. up their silly paper ballots and send <laughs> them in. Right. And you're trusting that they're counting that's correctly right. and all yeah. these things. When I'm saying, come on, we use computers for everything else. Yeah, well, lucky that we didn't follow your <laughs> Right, because the Cylons. The Cylons yeah, are coming. Everybody knows the Cylons are going to get you. What's next? What's yeah. next? Oh, what about voter ID laws? Bad. Bad. I don't think there's any problem with verifying that the person who shows up to vote is the right person, but the idea of uh, requiring uh, a very high bar that makes it difficult for some people to vote seems yeah. ridiculous when you don't have evidence of widespread fraud. I have this issue when I vote every year. It, uh, it's that my driver's license address is different from my registration address. And so, and, and it's, and it's not you, supposed to be. Why don't you fix that? Well, Good question. Thank you. Moving on. Yeah, every yeah. year you have this problem? <laughs> because, because I can't be bothered. I'm too busy researching yeah. for the podcast That's to get nice. my driver's license updated. Yeah. So I go, and I know, I'm an expert because yeah. it comes up every year that yeah. volunteer says, ooh, not your address does not match. Yeah. But all that matters is that I'm voting in the right place. The idea is just to prove who I am, not who, where I live. And they, someone knows that at the place. Yeah. And so I, I always make it through. But I think, hmm. to your point, I think... Like, why are they making it so hard for me to vote? Like, all I'm trying to do is vote. And, and I can imagine that if my problem were a little more complicated, I have an unusual ID or I don't have the right ID or something. You know, I'm just trying to vote. And, and the odds that I'm trying to do something untoward is so low yeah. that I could see people not to. Because it, it takes me a little bit of effort to, to make it through and get yeah. my vote in, yeah. even with this kind of little problem that's not supposed to be a real problem. Yeah, well, I always go in with my with my student, I mean, my faculty ID, right, the college ID. Yeah, it absolutely issue. works. I've tried that. They won't. They, well, the people I deal with are very strict. I'm telling you, that's happened to me a million times, too, where they'll yeah. say, we don't accept that. And I'll say, yeah, you do. And I end up having to talk to a supervisor, yeah. and I get through. But, but that's the thing. You know, even when you have... The correct um, stuff. Even when it's easy, right, um, it, it's sometimes difficult. Yeah, so, so that's I, a great point. I've tried that. I tried I said, well, yeah. this doesn't have my address, so I won't have to deal with it. Yeah. I showed them my William Mary ID, and they said, nope. And I, then I had you to go right back in the You vote. go right up to the supervisor. And and well, so I'm already fighting with yeah. them about the other yeah. thing. Yeah, just yeah. To get you my, refer that yeah. supervisor to our vote. podcast. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And, then, so, um, and then we have one more. Uh-oh, I'm scared. Russia. 
well, Russia as a country, <laughs> good lord. Yeah, I know. It's good. It's uh, wonderful people. Right. It was kind of a trick question to see yeah, where yeah, your yeah, mind yeah. was. Yeah. But do you feel nervous about, um, you know, w- what appears to have happened in our election? The yeah. So for future elections. Um, absolutely. So I think the the biggest concern I have about uh, our elections going forward is maintaining public confidence in the outcomes of yeah. those elections. Um, I think that that is um, a national treasure that has to be protected. And so I feel really strongly that, um, you know, uh, every level of government should be paying attention to ensuring that our elections are secure and that the public is confident in those outcomes. And I'll tell you that from um, work that I've done on this, we're doing our symposium on election security this year. And from speaking with officials from around the country and figuring out what's happening on this issue, I will tell you that there are a lot of very smart and dedicated people working very hard on this issue to make sure that um, this this problem is addressed. So I feel that a lot of really good work is being you done. Have, okay. I mean, and, if, and if somebody was losing faith in public elections, I think they have it back. So well done. Awesome. You're thanks. saving democracy. Yeah, We're working on one podcast. I feel like I learned right. so much. I didn't so know anything about the first stuff. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks. It was fun. It wasn't as scary as I thought. Oh, good. You're so- So that's our podcast with Rebecca Green. Or our interview with Rebecca Green, yeah, which was fascinating. Fascinating, as we, we told you. you, right? We warned you it would be really interesting, and it was. So <laughs> next week we've got Professor Ali Larson. Yeah, another favorite around the law school. Yeah, lots of energy. Law school celebrity. Law school celebrity. Uh, honestly, just a celebrity. Period. <laughs> celebrity celebrity. Yeah, and maybe before you listen to the podcast, go ahead check her Colbert Report interview out. Yes. It, just Google it. YouTube right. Ali Larson, Colbert Report get a flavor of what's to come yeah this is a big time personality big time personality <laughs> so stay tuned for next week <laughs>